0: Hey, everybody. Uh, today, I'm really happy to welcome Christo Boyajeev to the show. And Christo and I have worked together uh, dating back several years. He has a really interesting profile. Uh, today, uh, he's focused mostly on an organization called Tuktam, which he founded and, and is now running, wh- whose mission is to connect with and unite Bulgarians globally and uh, and to strengthen the bonds between Bulgarians living all over the world um and Christo in addition to this has lots of product experience and running a, a product a marketing agency a lot of digital experience so uh, Christo welcome uh, welcome to the show
1: Paris thanks for having me it's good to good to connect again
0: great i want to first launch right into tuktom because from what i understood at the beginning tuktom had a mission to help uh, reintegrate bulgarians who had previously lived abroad and were returning to bulgaria and now I think it's changed. Is that true? And and what is the what is today's mission?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we there was seven of us, I should say, the seven founders twelve twelve years ago. It's crazy, but we've started the organization as people who had just returned from abroad back to Bulgaria. And we had the personal need of finding other people like us who were crazy enough to kind of come back to Bulgaria and start a life um, professional and personal. And so we started a very much an offline a community event-driven organization. And that's what it used to be for the majority of the 12 years. So up until a couple of years ago, uh, that was the main focus of TukTom. But about, yeah, about two years ago, I left my sort of comfortable CEO position of a product agency and decided to focus on TukTom. And one of the reasons for that was, is that we saw an opportunity. And the opportunity was how can we use technology in my product background understanding and really enhance what Tuktown was able to offer, but more on a global scale. So rather than think about just Bulgarians coming back to Bulgaria, and um, you know, just a side bracket here, that's still part of what we do. We're definitely happy to help people who want to come back to Bulgaria and build an environment for them, professional and personal. One. But moving to sort of a, a global position, we want to be the network or the community of Bulgarians who, regardless of where they live, whether that will be you know the Silicon Valley or London or Frankfurt or Shanghai. You want to be engaged, connected, uh, active, hopefully, in Bulgaria, Uh, whether that will be a local Bulgarian community, whether that will be, um, you know, things back in Bulgaria. But the way we think of Bulgarians, and that's, by the way, it's not just Bulgarians. That's kind of the starting point. And I don't know, maybe one day we'll grow beyond it. But the fact of the matter is, globally, more and more people live outside of their home countries. Um, And... What, it, what, it, what are the meaningful ways for those the diaspora of those countries to be engaged uh, and connected to those countries? And there are countries who have cracked this code or done better than we have for sure. So, mm-hmm. places like Ireland, Singapore, um, Denmark, Israel obviously, Israel has a sort of a separate case on its own. But the fact that the matter is that they've done something to um, connect those people that live outside of their uh, homeland. Mm-hmm. And so, the way I think about it is what's the brain gain potential there of people? Because the people who are outside of Bulgaria normally, you know, are, uh, you know, entrepreneurial, well-educated, you know, uh, driven. They have a lot of connections. They have, um, you know, even purchasing power, if you will. They can be very useful to Bulgaria. So Mm -hmm. we're trying to figure out what's the best way to connect those guys between themselves and with Bulgaria. I guess that's a very long explanation, but that's kind of what we're trying to do.
0: Have you seen, then you mentioned that there are other countries that have, that have really cracked the code in a way of really creating that community. Is there is there some kind of formula for it, or does it really depend on each individual culture? I think it's a cultural thing. It does depend. Um, for instance,
1: with Israel, obviously, there's a historical um, element to it with, you know, being connected to the modern land. And, and, um, and we actually, I think Bulgaria has the potential to do that because of our cultural heritage and what we've done, but we haven't really tapped into that for various reasons. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a specific um, recipe, though. I think it varies from country to country. So you, you, there are certain things you can do that are sort of across the board, make sense, but there are things that you got to account for given the what, what what the respective country is. And so what we've found, though, because we've researched a bunch of organizations that do something similar, um and I don't, I don't want to brag to say that you know Tuukka is the only one doing it. So there are so I don't think there's an organization quite like having the all different aspects mingled into one. I think there are organizations that I've seen to do part of what we do or more than we do, but we don't do that. But the specific mix of what we do, I think, is kind of unique to us. And maybe that's just because we didn't start with this mission. We kind of grew into the mission from previous stuff that we're doing. But a lot of the times, what we see is that organizations like this are supported by the government. So that's kind of been their cracking of the code is they have um, the government, whether that will be financial support or media organization, whatever it is, they have the institutional support there. We don't really have that. So we're trying to take a sort of a different route, which is more into the, how, to, how does tech help to solve this rather than um, mm-hmm. you know the, the government stepping in to support financially. So we're a self-funded nonprofit organization.
0: Gotcha. I'd like to come back to this uh, this diaspora issue and dig a little bit deeper. And I'd really love to hear your opinion on this. I think there's a general consensus here that there is a a population decline in Bulgaria that's now reached the point of being a pretty big problem. Um, I think we can all agree now that, that we're below 7 million here. Yep. I read an article from uh, either New York Times or Washington Post from about six months ago that said that actually... Bulgaria, um, on a on a per capita basis, just on a percentage basis, Bulgaria is the fastest shrinking population in the world. Um, do you believe that? First of all, because I uh, that I found that to be totally alarming, but also believable. Is it? Tr- do you think it's true?
1: Well, uh, I think we actually we were interviewed for this article, uh, so I uh, we might have been featured in it as well. You, so. sure,
0: was, you sure were. You sure were in. Yep. Yeah, I, I think we're,
1: we were in was it the New York times or one of the, one of those, uh, BBC, I don't know. We've, we've been interviewed over the, over the years when some, when it was,
0: it was BBC, you're right. It was
1: BBC. Yeah, it was BBC. So we, we, we keep contact with a few reporters around Europe mostly. So whenever there's a population decline issue or diaspora, they, they always get in touch with Tom. So we've, we've, anyway, well, that's great. <laughs> the point is, um, sadly I do believe it. Yeah. I do think that we are in a decline. I don't know if it's the fastest shrinking country that's kind of beyond my, Pay grade to know all the numbers and, and figures, but uh, we, we definitely see um, the alarming trend of fewer and fewer Bulgarians. Now, I prefer not to look at it as uh, as a doomsday scenario. I mean, it's not great, let's put it right, but I'm trying to take a positive spin on it. One of those is there are 2 million, or I don't know, 1.5 million people living outside of Bulgaria. They can still be useful to Bulgaria somehow. So, how do we solve that? So, that's one way to look at it. The other one is I think we need to look less and less nationalistically about bulgaria or any other country it's 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 about what opportunities you you know show for people so i don't don't think you're necessarily the prime example but you know you're an american living in bulgaria so why don't we open the doors for people who want to take advantage of what bulgaria has to offer and i think that's more than many other countries do offer obviously we're not ahead of the pack in the eu but we're ahead of the pack in many other countries outside of the eu for instance and so Mm -hmm. rather than take it as a as a it's a negative, which I'm not saying it's not a negative thing. I'm saying how do we spin it to a positive thing, which is let's take the advantage of there are people who want to come to Bulgaria and take advantage of what, what the business environment has to offer and what the nature has to offer. I mean, Bulgaria has a unique, in my mind, mix of you can still have a decent career. And now with the unfortunate COVID situation, you can work pretty much everywhere. You've got great internet. Mm-hmm. You've got great nature. Why don't we open a door somehow in a, in a meaningful, structured Uh, way. I'm not saying just open the floodgates here to anyone who wants to join in, but there's a process that you can probably go through and quote-unquote import people that can positively impact the productivity of the country. And that's kind of what we're trying to do in the beginning, focusing on Bulgarians globally. But, you know, let's see see where this takes us.
0: Yeah. I was really interested uh, from that article to understand how much of that decline is driven by just simply uh, the, the formula of death rates to birth rates or the so-called the, the replacement rate versus the ratio of people leaving versus people coming back and um, and I know there's this expression of the brain drain and I, I kind of feel like that the peak of that was in the past and that there are a lot more people coming back Bulgarians coming back today for all the reasons that you mentioned and for the for the reasons that kept me in Bulgaria which is, Okay, yeah, fast internet was not really the main reason, but this is a really nice perk, oh, which is that yeah. when you work online and you work remotely, uh, fast fast internet makes you way more productive. Um, the, the nature the nature is, is amazing here, and I think it's very underrated and not, not so well known. Um, the food and the culture and everything is rich. The proximity to so many places... Um, where Bulgaria is situated regionally, you know, having access to pretty much direct flights to almost any major city in Two and Europe. Half hours, you're anywhere,
1: you know.
0: Right, right. Yeah. So I think for all these reasons, I imagine that a lot of Bulgarians who have gone out and, you know, maybe maybe experienced a rat race in New York City. Or, or Chicago, mm-hmm. and just figured out that you know what, actually, life could be a lot better, and I could still work for my U.S. company now. Oh, a lot of people do, actually, yeah. And yeah, so I, I'm imagining that this new this new reality of remote work, which I believe is really the new reality, is going to open a lot more avenues for Bulgarians to come back here, so that they can reconnect with their with their homeland, they can experience a better quality of life, and they don't make a sacrifice on salary or on Absolutely. career. Absolutely, and I, it,
1: there's so many points that I want to raise here, but one of them is this is such an opportunity. I agree with you. And if only Bulgaria had, you know, people in charge who are smart enough to figure out this is an extremely good opportunity to ramp up marketing efforts and position Bulgaria as the go-to spot during those times. I mean, we could see an insurge of people coming in, buying properties outside of Bulgaria, building great residences and sort of communities of people, if you will. And, uh, I, I mean, I don't think the boat has still been missed, but looking at I don't want to go into politics. But the point is, I think we with the current environment, that's not going to happen. We need sort of a fresh perspective on things. So that's kind of the one aspect of, of, of what you said. And I don't want to strain too much from sort of the main topic, which is marketing and tech and, and kind of what we do. But the, the second point I want to raise here is around the fact that um, what we are. Working on right now, we're going to present some um, things in a, let's say three or four months from now. We've we've done a lot of research as to how Bulgaria tracks Bulgarians globally, and the short answer to that is they don't really do that. Uh, it, it's a very haphazardous sort of uh, way of 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 knowing where Bulgarians are. So we we talked to all five government agencies and drilled down to the point of how do you track this number, how do you track this number, how do so so it's a very extensive research we did around around how they do that and and we're going to present some findings and hopefully there's going to be, not hopefully, but they will present some opportunities for the government and hopefully other and businesses. I mean, I think that's an effort that needs to go beyond government, it's government, business, it's, it's organizations, but we need to channel our efforts to around, first of all, figuring out where Bulgarians are. And I think Tuktam is going to be hopefully very helpful in this building that global community. But secondly, trying to market to those guys. And, and present what they can do. Coming back to that marketing idea, what can you do in Bulgaria now that the opportunity for you to work remotely is there? Um, mm-hmm. so anyway, so I see a lot of opportunities and potential there. So the, the question is, yeah. how do we, how do we tap that?
0: Let's talk a little bit about communication itself. This is where I think the marketing discussion begins. Mm. You're, you're building communications channels. You mentioned the government and it's, um, maybe there's some blind spots where the government doesn't really even know exactly how many and where uh, Bulgarians are living abroad. Are there any formal communication channels between the Bulgarian government and uh, and Bulgarians living abroad?
1: Very few, uh, regrettably. Um, now, what we've what we found is, again, a previous question you had was around how many Bulgarians are coming back. Um, if you look at the, uh, the numbers of people coming back and people leaving uh, over the past three or four years, um, it's been improving to the point where the number of people leaving is almost the same. It's still a little higher, but almost the same as the number of people coming back. So the net loss of people, if you will, is smaller and smaller. Now, just a side bracket here. Um, people say Bulgarians are coming back. Actually, the numbers say that it's it's a lot of actually not as, Bulgarians are coming back, but not as many as other nationals are coming into Bulgaria. That's kind of the positive influx we see. So more and more foreigners are choosing to come back, come to Bulgaria, which raises the number of people coming into the country. Now, obviously those numbers are a sort of year or year and a half dating back. So by the time we get the numbers, which is around mid-year of each year, that's kind of, it, it, oh, it, little little yeah, so we don't know how COVID has affected all this. So we get to see, we know there's, there's been a, huge influx of people coming into Bulgaria because of COVID. Now, the expectation is a lot of those people will be going back abroad um, because of mm-hmm. when seasonal jobs return or opportunities to work remotely will return. So that's, that's kind of one point there. The second point is, um, coming back to ch- the channels of, of communication, the government doesn't really have a lot of great... Um, yeah, there's, there's no way to, I guess, nicely put it, but they just is, don't really communicate with in the, the right? well, dropping
0: the ball, right? They're dropping the ball. Is there any agency that kind of owns this? In I the, think, in the
1: without trying to sound too brash, but I think Tuktam does a better job than the government does in terms of communicating with Bulgarians globally. I mean, that's kind of the state of affairs, sure. yeah. because the uh, there is a government agency that's, the, the government agencies of Bulgarians abroad, I think it's called, um, and... I mean just as an example I think about a year ago the the head of the government agency was put in prison because he was selling they were selling passports to sort of nationals because we we're in the EU and people were buying off oh. passports coming to Bulgaria. So I mean that's kind of the and, and it's a 20 person agency so it's a very small agency not really a lot of budget for it and then they caught him red-handed with some you know stupid stuff they were doing. So it's just it their focus was not really bridging gaps, bridging the distance between Bulgarians abroad and, and Bulgaria. It was, it was a different focus anyway. So okay. unfortunately, the government hasn't done a lot. And and to the point where, let's give you a fresh example, there, elections are coming up in about two months in Bulgaria. And we're actually preparing a campaign a kind of... Um, bust some myths around voting outside of Bulgaria, because a lot of people outside of Bulgaria, and again, there's probably around one and a half million people outside of Bulgaria, only about 50,000, 60,000 people vote each year. Now that's what 3%, you know, it's a very few number of people vote.
0: 3% of the diaspora uh, who are registered to vote or qualify. uh, Well, I'm not sure how many are
1: registered to vote. Uh, but okay. like I have a total number, even if the yeah, even if it's the register to vote, it's still probably no more than you know six seven percent or something. It's a very low number, and part of that is Bulgaria does very little to support um, elections outside of Bulgaria. So they don't really open election booths. Um, they don't really um, uh, do any marketing around voting. It's a very uh, lackluster um, position put it at. So I guess the point there is. Bulgaria hasn't really done enough, unfortunately, up at this point, to connect Bulgarians abroad with Bulgaria. So we're trying to fill in the gaps, um, okay, with with what they haven't done. So obviously, we don't have this
0: anywhere near the budget and and uh, yeah. muscle so, of, in, of a government. But is it is it mail in ballots? Is that the is that the only way to to vote? Oh, actually,
1: mail in ballots don't really work outside of Bulgaria. That's the problem. So the, the way to the way to vote right now is you have to. There has to be a, a, an officially approved, opened um, voting place booth. I don't know what's the official term for that, but a, a mm-hmm. voting space. And the problem is that the, the government only officially opens um, uh, places to vote only in, in consulates and embassies. And that's definitely not enough for the government, say the U.S. I mean, there's, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people, Bulgarians living in the U.S. If you open just one or two. Travel to
0: New York. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So that doesn't work. So what you have to do is people have to officially uh, email the government and say, I want to vote in this city. And if there's enough people registered to say, I want to vote in this city, then they open a booth. But even in that case, they rely on volunteers. So... Basically what I'm trying to say there's almost like a shadow Bulgarian organization and we're connected with these guys and work with them there are about 500 people Bulgarians globally who've already connected they have a like, secret Facebook group and each election season what they do is they make sure that Bulgaria yeah. huh
0: they try to tip the scale so that they, they can they try to actually
1: open voting um, uh, spots for people to vote because the government doesn't really open it for themselves. So that's kind of yeah, the state of I mean, the state of affairs. Is I don't want to sound too gloomy, but the, the point is state of affairs is, is not great. So there's a lot of work to be done. But the state of affairs
0: is, is disenfranchisement. Of,
1: is, is of that nobody really thinks of Bulgarians abroad is an asset to Bulgaria. I think they look at it as sort of a. It's just kind of forgot about those guys, or you know, even even to the point where they're sent around. All those guys left Bulgaria. We should just leave them be. And that's not the way I look at it. I mean, people leave a country in search for a better life, more opportunities, better life for their children. You know, whatever it is, better health reasons. That's Mm -hmm. that's that shouldn't be a reason to chastise somebody. That should be uh, an opportunity for you to say, okay. You've gone around. You've been. You've you've been sort of taking the entrepreneurial route of you know. You've gone outside, taken a risk. What can you do to stay engaged? Because a lot of those people do want to stay engaged. Is what it, we we think is the case. So, so we're kind of find ways to do that. Is
0: that same sentiment? Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you here. If 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 the Bulgarian government and the and the general consensus is that you've left, you've left us and that's unfortunate. And it's a, uh, it's maybe like a, a, a child who's left and, and who's not going to return and they're gone. Is that same, is that same cynical sentiment then reflected back from those, those Bulgarians that say, well, if the government doesn't, there doesn't care about me then, and they can't do much for me, then I also, I don't feel much of a need to give back or, um, you know, how much of the how much of that negative sentiment is reciprocated and, and actually negatively affects those those Bulgarians living abroad?
1: Well, I mean, uh, first of all, I would say that uh, there are people who left so bitter from whatever experience they had in Bulgaria that they're beyond sort of, quote-unquote, the salvation point of ever being connected to Bulgaria. And that's kind of reality of life. You can't, you know, affect that at all. I think most people outside of Bulgaria definitely feel... Disengaged, feel disappointed. Bulgaria doesn't really do a lot for them, but that's not to say a lot of them don't want to amend that. They, if given the opportunity, they don't want to be engaged. The problem there is a lot of times, or the few times that Bulgaria actually thinks of Bulgarians abroad, is election season comes up and there's a couple of parties, you know, that spend the money to go and talk to a few people in London or maybe some in the U.S. And it's a, that's kind of the extent of of the connection to Bulgaria. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that is—it's is, yeah. kind of disappointment, is what it is. So, um,
0: it sounds like what's what fascinating to me is that if, if, if you and your efforts can actually solve this v- voter disenfranchisement problem, then this this diaspora of a million and a half or two million people—if you get that six percent up to to twenty percent then that could, be, that could actually be a secret weapon for making <laughs> oh, major, just, major changes. Yeah. Just to, to clarify,
1: some... we, we're, we're a political organization. That's very...
0: Yeah,
1: we don't want <laughs> to go into politics. The point there is we don't want to affect anyone's choice, but we do believe that, um, you know... And by the way, we've, we've wrestled with the idea of taking part in any sort of communication on this for years now. And we only decided to do it now after so long. Is that um, is because we do believe that one of the the most principal ways for you to stay engaged with your home country is to have a democratic vote around who you know leads the charge. So you can actually say, "I want to elect those guys because those guys are going to think of me, even if I live abroad." Right? That's the point. So we don't want to necessarily say which party you vote for. The point is channeling. Um, that's that's the beginning of a democratic conversation. I think is what it is because once you have the attention of those guys, you can say, "All right, you voted. That's great. Why don't you now go and." mentor somebody in bulgaria so that's kind of we want to step in is the educational Mm. sector you know why don't you mentor somebody in bulgaria why don't you help a company going abroad why don't you so the voter thing is just a way for us to reach a a broader audience hopefully engage them whatever the choice they make politically is beyond us we don't really care as long as you're engaged at that point we can start talking about okay you you show willingness to be engaged how can you else stay connected right and that's kind of where we come in
0: it's it's a it's a massive a massive opportunity, um, and I think it's central to your mission too. Which is, and this is going to lead me to my next question, which is: What are the aspects of society that are most likely to bind people back? Is it is it political, or is it cultural, or is it about current events like news, or could it be things in the business community, or maybe it's a mix of these things? But as you communicate with all these different, uh, probably different segments of people mm-hmm. across different age demographics and mm-hmm. and socioeconomics and countries, mm-hmm. what are some of the what are some of the particular types of? Um, I guess what are the topics? Uh, what are the areas of society that you feel are the ones that are most likely to create the strongest bond? Back. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, look, obviously that's a very. A complicated question uh, yeah. w- rather the answer is complicated. So uh, I'll try to rattle off some, some things here. I should preface this by saying we don't really haven't really cracked the formula on this. So we're still trying to figure out that for ourselves. All right. So I'm going to give you thoughts, but by no means, do I, do I take that as a, so, uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Let's put it that way. Sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think you, you can never sort of toss aside the culture aspect of, um, a lot of times, and we've, we've, I've personally done it. we we as an organization, have been to a number of cities across the U.S. and Europe. And uh, actually, the further you are away from Bulgaria, the more you see this. But um, people often just, just, you know, get the blues around. I miss, you know, home food, or I miss uh, the quirky traditions that I used to make fun of back in a day. But there's just, I miss that, right? And and I miss the idiosyncrasies of of how Bulgaria operates, which is very different to obviously the US and Western Europe and Asia, wherever it is. And so um, a, a big side of, of staying connected to Bulgaria is emotional. Um, so we are trying to, a lot of the communication we do tries to gently, I don't, we don't want to sound too nationalistic or patriotic. I think that's kind of taken the step too far or a few steps too far, but, you know, there certainly needs to be that emotional connection with people to them out of land. Um, again, most of those people didn't leave. Again, some left because they were extremely disappointed don't want to hear back from Bulgaria. I mean, I'm done with that. Sever that relationship. But I think mm-hmm. the majority of those people did not do that. They left in search for better opportunities, better jobs, um, you know, better life for themselves and that's fine. You can still be a part of a different society and you know a, a fully committed to a new society and still engage with the old one that's that's you could definitely yeah. do that nowadays yeah. so so the question is how do we tap that first emotional bond now two i do believe um that you need to find the common thread that unites more and more people around a certain cause for you to get them engaged with bulgaria and i one of those things certainly for, i think globally but it's certainly for bulgaria is education i don't know how you know you've been in bulgaria for what 15 years now you probably have Seen enough of Bulgaria to know that you know whatever happens, we 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 want our kids to be well educated. We invest a lot into that. Again, this probably is universal, but I've definitely seen it in Bulgaria. In that you you can you can um, you know uh, sacrifice a lot for yourself personally, but you want to make sure your kid has a better education than you did. Or you know, I was a product of that. My parents. Well, they didn't send me necessarily. I uh, wanted to go myself, but I went to the US and my parents supported me, uh, you know, gave me a, you know, uh, a money for at least a year and then I started working two jobs and figured out on my own, but the point is they definitely pushed me in the right direction and that's something yeah. I think all Bulgarian parents share. So, the second aspect to to besides the emotional uh, communication is Can we work around education? Because I think that's something we can all unite around taking the global know-how, finances, if you will, of people abroad and investing them in the better education for youngsters in Bulgaria or students, whatever it is. Um, So that's number two. I think number three, there definitely needs to be sort of a professional side. To all of this, so a lot of the Bulgarians who live abroad are, you know, well-established professionals. They've advanced professionally, uh, achieved, you know, they run teams or companies, whatever it is. They certainly value that, and they they see that the, the the most meaningful way for Bulgaria to escape its the the you know clutch of of the communist past is probably through a um, well-run market economy, and that happens through you know great professionals demanding certain things of its government. So I think the, you were in IT, you know, the tech sector in Bulgaria, you know that that's kind of a world of its own uh, compared to say the other sort of old school fact, uh, you know, sectors in Bulgaria. The same thing goes for, can we create more than the IT bubble? Can we create other bubbles in Bulgaria and other sectors? And I think there are some things happening there, in positives. So the third ask we're trying to play into and, and help Bulgarians abroad, help Bulgaria is, can we raise the professional level? Put it that way so that's kind of the three aspects we've chosen slightly emotional but mostly <laughs> educational and professional focus that's obviously there's a whole lot of things you can do beyond that but you can do everything right so that's kind of what yeah. we've chosen there's a few main things
0: yeah. <laughs> and when uh so how many how many members do you have in took tom
1: by members do you mean team members or do you mean like uh, community members
0: uh community uh, community members how many people are, are you just generally communicating with
1: well, we communicate with tens of thousands of people. Um, so we, we shifted our model about half a year ago now, mid-2020, mid, mid 2020, and we formalized membership in the organization, which is people supporting us financially with a small monthly donation, say $5 a month. So in terms of paying members, we have about 300 people right now. Um, we're trying to raise that up to obviously, hopefully, many more hundreds or thousands, hopefully, at some point. Beyond that, and those are the people, again, those are people who understand that running this organization is, is not cheap. You know, we have a full-time staff now. We pay salaries, et cetera. Um, and so they support the mission with with the donations. What they get in return is obviously the satisfaction of what they do, but full transparency organization Events just for members, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they have about three hundred of those guys now. With the help of those guys and some of the stuff that we do professionally on our own, we reach tens of thousands of people through our events. So again, mm-hmm. for some of your listeners, I get, I guess, just a quick summary. What we do is we run some big, sort of really large scale events, professional events in Bulgaria. Probably one of the largest professional events in Bulgaria. It had last year. It had three thousand two hundred people register. I think. Um, so it's, it's grown quite a bit. I mean, it used to be up up until a year ago, it was only about a thousand, but we kind of changed the profile a little bit. Now we're looking at, again, a global picture of wherever you are in the world will help you stay engaged in Bulgaria. So a lot of Mm -hmm. online stuff happening. So people are tuning in, which is good. Um, so we do that event.
0: Sorry. And is that event now, uh, that's interesting because, um, and we've had some, we've had some people in the online event space recently on, is that event becoming more of a virtual event where people can connect in. Um, well,
1: I think it's, I don't like the word hybrid, but it's definitely, it has a mix of of both offline and I think we're going to, um, we're we are not really going to let go of <laughs> entirely of the offline aspect to it, just because we, I mean, before kind of embarking on this global community thing, we read a lot about community building and how do you do that, especially in online context. And regardless of how you do it, one of the key aspects is you, you have to have some physical contact every once in a while as much as possible. So, We are going to try to keep the core of it happening offline for the time, if if possible. Hopefully things do return to normal. And we were lucky Mm -hmm. enough that in September 2010, we did pull off an offline, although smaller and obviously with a lot of safety measures. But it was an offline event at its core with a lot of people tuning in online. So I think that's kind of the model we're going to go for. Hopefully a few thousand people showing um, physically in Bulgaria. Um, Mm -hmm. hopefully one day it's one of those events where you you come back to Bulgaria for it I mean that's kind of the the, the dream state but uh, the point again is we have people this year this year 2020 last edition where people from Australia tuned in people from the US tuned in people from Asia tuned in so I'd like Mm -hmm. to think of it as this kind of a all Bulgarian sort of eyes and ears are focused on Bulgaria that one day and they're like, What's going on in Bulgaria? Let me let me see what, what what's life like and what's the professional environment and like, what's the educational sector like? And how can I tune in? So it's a it's a celebration of, of all the good things happening in Bulgaria in sort of one day. And that's the way we look at it. And that's kind of the trajectory we're trying to aim for that um, event.
0: I, I think that that model, that hybrid model, uh, from what I'm seeing, is the future. A future of uh, most event, of the event industry. One of the things I was pretty surprised by is that you you expected the event industry was just totally decimated by by the COVID year, but most most of them that pivoted well actually had record years because they were able to multiply the number of event attendees, albeit at lower price points, but but vastly multiply the number of of virtual attendees and still deliver the same great content. But then what was missing was the physical aspect. And then the pendulum will then swing back to the middle at some point where you you may still get back to to having the coffee or having a beer, but then you still have all these great benefits of taking that content and broadcasting it. And you allow, you know, you allow 10 times, 50 times more people to access the content who, who want to just see that content. And then you can monetize much, much better that way.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and I should say that we are sort of in a transitional phase with the event, just because previously it was a recruitment only event. So there were, no, it was companies only paid to attend and then it was free for you to attend. And, you know, you just look for a job. We're now shifting this obviously event from, from the recruitment focus to more of a, you know, professional must attend sort of a conference slash sort of a, South by Southwest of Bulgaria, if you will. That's kind of the aim we're going for, right? Mixing yeah. Yeah. different sides of, it's not just professional, it's, it's culture, it's art, you know, it's, it's other mm-hmm. things that go beyond just work. Um, mm-hmm. And we are playing with the idea of introducing ticketing as well. So, so for the members, so we're trying to bump up our membership and, that, and that's kind of because it, it's a monthly, you know, um, incoming cash flow, which is really good for us being in a nonprofit or any organization, but certainly a nonprofit organization. So for members it's gonna be free, but for anyone else who wants to attend the uh, if you want to talk to companies, it's free, but if you want to go to the talks, the some of the workshops, some of the other things going on, then you might probably donate some money. So we are playing with the idea of of what you yeah. just said, having that content be monetized to a again, we we're not a for-profit business, so we don't want to go exorbitant prices, but we want to make sure that we exist in two years down the line, so that we can continue doing the good stuff that we're doing.
0: Yeah, great. Um, let's let's get back to the marketing side of things, and I'm very interested to know um, things like your, the channel mix that you use. Sure. Um, what are the regular What are the regular channels that you use to market to to the community?
1: Well, we 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 use a whole bunch. Um, certainly we we're we've tried but we're unable to escape the grasps of of, of the likes of Facebook and LinkedIn so we are still of course, uh, yeah you can't there's no way for you as a small organization to move outside so that, so we do invest in Facebook a lot and we we have closed we used to have a a, a group as well like an open group anyone can join we kind of close that off so we mm-hmm. move because we build our own platform and sort of we are moving a lot of the communication and and uh, discovering of people and a lot of the initiatives that we do in the platform that we have. So we're not competing with Facebook. We're certainly nowhere. That's not the, no, people have tried to compete with Facebook. It's never going to work. So we're trying to find me. Need- yeah. It's better to join
0: them than to, to
1: showcase. Sure. So, so the question is how do we um, create something that's a little more tailored to what? One- our community needs within our platform and the rest is still on Facebook, right? Let's put it that way. So we do have, still have a fan page and we uh, use a fan page extensively. We have a closed members group, again, for those paying members that we do because that facility, uh, most people have just Facebook um, anyway. So we, we use that, but we've closed off the bigger group. I think the majority of the people that want to have a one-on-one connection with each other, we want to have that through our platform because over just over three or four months, we had 10,000 people registered in the platform. Um, so we're trying to build ways for them to discover one another, support one another. And I can definitely talk a lot about what we do there on a sort of in, in, in product marketing stuff that we do, uh, later on. But in terms of outgoing marketing, that's sort of Facebook is one. We definitely invest a lot of LinkedIn because of our professional side that I mentioned earlier. So LinkedIn is a good channel for us. We like it uh, a lot. We've built a partnership with, um, Viber, uh, just because we we know the team that runs sort of Southeast Europe and actually most of Europe anyway nowadays. So we we're building. We just started recently building a partnership with these guys where. That's Nasco's a, team. Yeah, that's exactly Nasco's team. So yeah. we're we're good friends with Nasco and and well not beyond that. I think it it makes sense them because they definitely want to um, emphasize their community more, and we have a lot of good content that that can be useful. So we settled on having a educational channel for students outside of Bulgaria. So a lot of, again, what we do come, comes back to education. We want to be supportive of any student like I was back in the day. Pretty much anyone in Town these days has been uh, studied abroad, right? So we have a Viber channel dedicated to students abroad who want to receive sort of updates around, especially around COVID times, like um, interesting news information and uh, uh, content could be useful for them as they're obviously a lot of them are not really abroad this semester, but I think they will return come you know yeah. full 2021. So Viber is something we're investing in right now in terms of content as well. We do a lot of email marketing. We have a, a you know a big number of e- email lists, both professional and just general emails and, and et cetera. And I think that probably I'm probably missing some. Oh, sorry, because I don't use Instagram. I keep forgetting it. So we do use Instagram quite a bit as, as well. Um the young members of our team keep reminding me of them the grandpa that doesn't use Instagram. But we, we do use it we think it's a great tool as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you them. try
0: to launch? How would you try to launch a a campaign targeting Bulgarians anywhere in the world? Is it would you just use Bulgarian language so that only Bulgarians would understand it? In the,
1: in um, the, uh, it depends on the campaign. Um, we we do for the time being we do use Bulgarian sort of as the main language of communication just because that's kind of the core of what we do and um,
0: and we do. Website is only in Bulgarian. It's not our it's website not is in only
1: in Bulgarian. Yeah, that's we, I mean, technically, uh, from a technical side, we are ready, completely ready for it to be the English speaking version. We just don't have the bandwidth to actually translate all the stuff in it. So, as soon as we find enough bandwidth to translate it, we'll definitely do it because our, our dev team made sure that it was ready for that. <laughs> we haven't found it. I fine. think
0: it's a good idea because imagine all the maybe the spouses, the non Bulgarian spouses, or yeah, uh, if, uh,
1: there's other so people many people ideas. My problem <laughs> is, yeah, yeah, I found. My problem is there's so many ideas that we have, (laughs) we just don't have enough bandwidth to do all the ideas. So we're trying to focus, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But anyway, so it's coming back to your question: is we do most of our content in Bulgarian. We 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 take advantage of the devilishly good Facebook. Uh, sort of marketing instruments, that you're probably better familiar than I am, but because uh, I don't really like
0: audiences and things yeah, like that.
1: Exactly. So we use a lot of those, a lot of those to make sure that we reach Bulgarians. And I mean, uh, I'm not going to lie, it's, it's not easy, just because there's an, and you, again, you probably know this better than I do, but there's such an oversaturation of content uh, in general that, um, and that comes back to something we, we chatted before the conversation around, how do you introduce good enough communication to reach the right audience. So it's not just about find the right audience. It's about mixing in um, the right creative message. So it, it's a combination of creative messaging and then performance marketing. And we're trying to merge these two to connect to the right audience in in a, in a right time with a meaningful message that looks well enough for the respective channel. So we're trying to be mindful of, when I say we launch Divide by Channel, it's not that we reuse other content, or rather we use other content, we reshape it to a way that makes sense for that specific marketing yeah.
0: channel, right? Gotcha. I think I think I put the cart before the horse when I asked about channels before I asked about content because I should have, that's what I want to go into now, actually. Um, there's, there, I'm sure there's a lot of content in written form um, sure. and I, I got a good grasp of that. What about video and what about audio? How much have you explored those formats of content for your community?
1: Not enough is the honest answer there. We'd love to do more. I think we've done a bit uh, more video. So uh, again, just a, a, a brief history there. Up until two years ago, Tom was only there was only two people full time. You know, a lot of us were part time volunteers. I'm still a full time volunteer, but at least a full time now. But so uh, up until two years, ago, it was only two people to work in the team. Now there's about eight of us, eight or nine of us. We have a couple of interns looking around, so let's say about ten people that kind of uh, are in, in the immediate vicinity of the team, and. Now we have more bandwidth to play around with some of those other formats. Now the problem is that we've been so busy with building our own platform and shifting the communication. We rebranded we last year, so we changed all of our branding. One, we built uh, the platform. It, it, we launched two new formats, etc. So it's just been a hectic year. I think only in 2021, now that we find ourselves in the position where we've built some of the stuff we wanted to build two years ago. Um, and now we're like, okay, let's explore new things. So definitely on the roadmap for us is more video for sure. Um, mm-hmm. We are working with an agency. That was a creative side. And that's kind of one of the things we talked about this year is we want to build more video into what we do. Um, it does um, depend on obviously the, the fundraising opportunities that we have and how much we can invest in, because as you well know, uh, yeah. video is more expensive uh, <laughs> to, to produce than is, is written content. Um, so that's one. Audio has been something we've we've thought long about, and I haven't ruled it off at all. I think a podcast is certainly in the books potentially for us. But the problem there is, I don't want to be one of those organizations or people that just go and does everything rather than focuses in you know two, three, whatever four things that does really well. So we've we've held off on on the podcast for now because a we don't have the bandwidth, but two we are also trying to think of what's the. Um, Different, what's the unique thing that we want to do in the podcast world that hasn't really been done? And it's a little cliche to say we're going to connect you with the best bull games around the globe, you know, that's that's not necessarily the angle, maybe there's a different angle. So, we haven't really spent time to find a good angle. I, th- I think as soon as we find a good angle in a few months, we probably would have pr- more bandwidth to try to dabble with this. But I think I listen to a lot of podcasts, I listen to maybe. I think there's 10 or 12 shows that, I don't listen to all of them every week, but 10, 12 shows on a monthly basis, probably at least one episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I've definitely found a lot of, you know, you, you, and you probably see this yourself, a lot of the listeners to your podcast see you as a friend almost at one point. I mean, it's it's such a, a personal format that goes way closer than, than content, than, than um, uh, written content would ever get you. So that's something we definitely want to explore, talking about building a community you have to be close to the audience. So certainly audio is, is one of the ways we're trying to think of it in midterm, how to how to how to get to that point.
0: Yeah. For me, um, well, I don't know, from my perspective, I'm still also trying to figure out in <laughs> like what 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 angle do I want to take? And I think the best way to figure that out is just to start doing it. Just to play it. Yeah, yeah. Just to start doing it. And I guess for you, you think, all right, am I gonna start by interviewing some some of the Bulgarians who are now back in Bulgaria, or do I want to Um, like what we're doing with this format, I could be interviewing you. You could be sitting anywhere in the world. Do I want to interview some Bulgarians in in various countries to talk about what life is like there and how do they stay connected? Um, But I think audio was a sweet spot because with audio, you, you ask less of your, of your uh, user, so to speak, because they can plug to their ears and still actually do other things. They can be, they can be listening every day on their commute, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Video. and then there's a certain intimacy with audio that I think even goes beyond video, where when you have, when you literally have someone between the you know, yeah, yeah. between the head yeah. going the, the, uh, the, those audio waves going right in there, um, there's a certain intimacy where I believe you feel even more connected to that content than you even would by watching it on a screen.:
1: I would totally agree with you and I've, and I've seen, given the fact that again, I, I, I listen to about 10, 12 podcasts a month at least different shows i mean and some of those have video sides of it and i always generally prefer to have the audio only. i don't know what it is Uh, every once in a while i play the video just to just kind of get a feel for the environment but i do prefer the audio just because it gives me that comfort of i can be walking in the park or doing exercise, whatever it is i can do other things and still be very focused on on Mm -hmm. um, the podcast versus having all eyes and ears literally on on the content um so i I definitely agree with you
0: uh, the, the podcast the podcast software that I use is called Wooshka, and I interviewed recently Rob Lowenthal, who is the CEO and founder of Wooshka, and I think he said it best. When, with audio, you you allow your user to use the theater of their imagination, oh, yeah. which means that when they create a mental picture of what they're listening to, it's richer than the, than the true video would have been. Yeah, yeah. no, that's a very good point, actually. And that actually is what enhances
1: the experience. That's a that's a really, I'm going to remember that. That's a really good point, indeed. Yeah. And in my case, actually probably better than your viewers don't really see me anyway. I
0: always have to credit Rob Lowenthal for that because I, I love that statement. Rob Lowenthal. Uh, the power of the imagination. And what they're doing also very interestingly is trying to move into uh, showing companies how they can create audio strategies internally for their own employees. Yeah. With private podcasting. Interesting. And you might even think about even private podcasts around certain themes like business theme, education theme, culture theme, yeah. where you where you start by inviting certain active uh, members into a private podcast setting, and then and then interviewing them, and then building off of that, and eventually going public. I, know,
1: um, I agree with you. I just prefer to once we go that way, we commit to doing at least for I don't know. 12 months, 24 months before we say this is going to work or not for us, because it takes time to build an audience. And you probably, I'm not sure. It's, it's sort of the beginning for you as well as in terms of this podcast. Oh yeah. I,
0: I, I don't even look at my audience numbers yet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's too, too soon. soon. It's too soon. Uh, and that's the point.
1: What I've found over the problem. years is. I have faith. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think with, one of the things that sets took Town apart from a lot of NGOs, because I've been around the NGO space for 12 years now, and I've seen, many organizations come and go, unfortunately go. Uh, I've seen a lot of great ideas go to not necessarily waste because they have done some great things and they've built some great momentum, but at some point they, they drop the ball. And, and what I don't want to happen with Tuktam is we don't want to have to drop the ball. So we prefer to go sometimes at a slower pace than usual. And once we commit to something, we commit to it long term. And that's kind of one of the, I, again, I don't think we're necessarily successful, but certainly we've been around for long enough to know that if you persist with something for a, a given amount of time, normally it pays off. So I'll give you an example. We have a scholarship fund. So 25% of all the donations that come to time go directly to scholarships. Um, so we each year we fundraise, and we fundraise from companies as well separately, but each year we give around four to five scholarships worth 50,000 leva, so 20,000, 20, 25,000 euros. We're looking to bump this up to in a couple of years, let's say to fifty to you know eighty thousand euros. So hopefully we're going to get there. But the point is, when we started the, the scholarship fund five years ago, it was my thirtieth birthday. We a buddy of mine and I invited a bunch of people to a birthday party and said, "Why don't you give us instead of gifts, just donate to the fund? We want to start a scholarship fund." And we raised, I think it was three thousand leva, so one and a half thousand euro just that birthday. And you know, five years, people were like, "That's, I mean, that's great." That's awesome but that's just a one off initiative and we persisted people were saying you should that's that's not going to work you should stop with it da, 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 da. 5 years later we've invested already i think it's 80 something thousand euro in about 25 scholarship recipients so mm-hmm. it pays off you know it kind of uh, increases with with time so uh, not, uh,
0: yeah i want to get back to one point that you made that i thought also was very interesting that i agree with which is i also believe that it's better to be a little bit more selective of the channels and channels that you know are going to work, and to and to, to go all in in a way on certain channels and initiatives, rather than try to spread yourself too thin sure. and cover a superficial present, have a superficial presence on twenty channels rather than have a really deep presence on maybe three or four. I think the overall impact is better when you go when you go deeper rather than wider, and um and I and I do believe strongly that podcasting is a um, is an untapped. It could be one of those three or four that have a major impact, um, for the, for the reasons that we we've, we've talked about.
1: Um, and I absolutely agree. And 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 one of the reasons why we we actually have a Twitter still, but I think we're gonna even we're considering even closing it off entirely, just because at this point it just kind of takes automatically what we've done on Facebook and just copies in Twitter, which doesn't add value. Nobody will really use this Twitter. So we're trying to reduce our channels rather than increase them and and provide that's one of the differences in the past couple of years is rather than just kind of producing literally the same copy paste content everywhere. It's what do we produce specifically for this kind of, um, uh, channel. And that's, that's, that's been beneficial for us so far. So we're going to keep up with it, but it is demanding. I mean, it takes a lot of, uh, effort, um, on all sides of marketing from design to content to performance marketing, et cetera.
0: I think more and more, it's important to understand how to repurpose content in a way that's appropriate for the channel that you're going to push it through yep. rather than um, simply uh, spraying, so to speak, the spray and pray where um, yep. let's we've got an update and we're going to, uh, we're going to just cross post it on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and, and blah, blah, exactly. blah. No,
1: no, absolutely. That's a, that's a good but point.
0: More, more effort to do it right. But I think the payback is there too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So but the challenge for us is number one, we're trying to figure this out. And you and you run a, a, a performance marketing agency, so you know this well. But we are trying to build the performance inside in house and work with the creatives outside. And it, mm-hmm. it is a challenge to build the mechanism just right that you a figure out the mechanics of how to how to best work the channels and create the best the not the best it's it's hard to say the best but a a, a great creative message to people. But at the same time, figure out you know. Um, how do you connect though? like, what are the things that we talked about in the beginning? What are the things that Bulgarians abroad want to hear from us? You know, cause there's so many different ways to look at it. Is it just going to be just professional, just educational? Do you want to be just emotional content of, of, you know, coming back to Bulgaria? Um, does, do you, do you want to um, anyway? So there's different ways for you to look at it. And we are still, I'm not going to lie to you. We're still playing with different things and figuring out what's the right messaging right now. Uh, we haven't figured it out. We have. Yeah.
0: I would have had I do more think, members. Um, yeah, I think more and more as, as these channels evolve and they and they start to take on their own types of personality um that it also it also the type of content does it is closely connected to the channel itself. For example, I was um actually my wife was watching TV. She was watching the news this morning mm-hmm. and there was a Kukeri festival in in uh, Paran- yeah, yeah, and I and I was just thinking, you know, that would be pretty cool TikTok content actually, but only on TikTok. You yeah. would never put that on LinkedIn. No. Whereas if I'm, I'm going to do something on LinkedIn, I'm probably want to speak to my business my business savvy audience sure. and keep that focused on that type of content. If I want to do education, um, um, then then maybe I would look at uh, just maybe like Facebook, for example. Um, so I do think more and more it's about adapting the content uh, in a way that's appropriate for uh, for the particular. For the mindset that people are in on different on different uh, social no, absolutely. networks
1: absolutely we, it's one of the reasons why we haven't really done anything with tiktok even though it's uh you know hot right now and everyone's using it but we don't really have in the topics that we've chosen to focus on for the time I mean, we haven't really found the good angle to do anything on on the trendy um network so we haven't done it uh for yeah me. maybe maybe well, it's a loss for us but you know that's that's by the, the
0: way, did you did you see the footage from this guy that stormed the Capitol? i did, did you- 2020 Yesterday. was, yeah, yeah, I did. It looked like he was wearing a Kukuri costume. That was really I spooky. Know. Yeah. <laughs> you see thing I saw or no? No, I haven't it seen looked- anything.
1: I, I saw, the, I saw the, the costume, which was crazy. But, I mean, we certainly uh, live yeah. in interesting times.
0: <laughs> Man, yeah. I mean,
1: it, it's, it's, it's it's a sidestep of our conversation. But I people often over the past 12 years have asked me, why do you come back to Bulgaria like you? I mean, I've lived in the U.S., U.K., Germany, um, uh, Spain, I, I could have chosen life much different to this, obviously, but I don't know. I've, uh, I find that life in Bulgaria has its obviously downs and one of the ups is it's a little quieter, you know, it's just, it, you, you're a little to the side of, of some of those crazy things that are happening in the world. And I, I'm not laughing. I mean, that's not, it's not a laughing matter what happened in the U S and it's, it's crazy. And I hope we do return to some sense of normalcy but i think it's it's beyond the us that's just a, a global phase we're in the the you know the divide that you see between um people is is worrisome and that's something that you know we think about ourselves in because we see it in bulgaria regardless of whether you're in in, in bulgaria like you're physically all parties in bulgaria or people outside of bulgarian people in bulgaria but there's a divide between people and i think that's the biggest risk that we have is not just bulgarians but people in general the divide that we create amongst ourselves is is mm. such a step back for us Is is yeah.
0: right now the u.s is just putting on an absolute spectacle for the rest of the world <laughs> yeah how yeah. do you divide society? Uh, this is a clinic yeah yeah but anyway let's not let's not go there i yeah, think yeah, we we're wrap up but um so christo um Let's just, I want to, I want to learn more about how people can find you and find Tuktam who might be interested to to learn more. Um, where can people find you and Tuktam?
1: Well, um, interestingly enough, I think your audience probably is not going to really understand most of the content you would deliver, but you can definitely find us on tuk-tam.bg. That's T-U-K-T-A-M, which by the way means here and there, just for the reference of your audience. So about Bulgarian here and there. So tuktam.bg. And you can find us on all the channels that I mentioned uh, I'm probably mentioned somewhere in there. And just also if anyone's interested in uh, hooking up and just chatting about communities online, I'm happy to learn from other people who've done this because we, we've done a lot of things, but we certainly haven't done much more, uh, other, you know, other things. So we're happy to learn from other people, uh, on that. And, uh, I don't know, hopefully, hopefully this has been useful for your audience as well.
0: It absolutely has been. And, and I really appreciate you coming on. I think you're doing amazing work. I mean, really inspirational stuff. Um, Bulgaria needs more people like you for sure. uh, Keep, keep it going. Keep it going. It's really really inspiring to all of us. And and thanks very much for, for spending the time with me.
1: I appreciate your time as well. well. We'll speak soon. All right.